everyone, welcome back to the Book and Life podcast. Today we're going to have a brand new book guest on. Whether they're an author, an editor, a producer, you'll never quite know, so you're in for one hell of a ride. But today I just have to uh, do the adverts and then I'll get us straight into that most important conversation. And as as we do every week, um, I'm going to read The Shadow which is part of the Time Guardian series, and this is book four from Marianne Curley. The battle is over, the war is won. The prophecy complete, but life can't just pick up where it left off for Ethan, struggling to cope with tragic loss. At odds with friends in the guard, he finds himself adrift, jumping in shadows and sensing someone who can't possibly be there. Blaming herself for the goddess Athena's death, Giselle swears revenge to fullify the immortal's plan for world domination, but Giselle hadn't planned on love, and that leaves her with an unbearable choice. Should she follow her heart, or the strings of a goddess short on praise but high on expectation, who continues to pull her from the grave? As the guard and the order battles through the past and into an impossible future, darkness looks round every corner. The fight for the world's survival rests with just one. Is it friend or foe who stands in the shadow? And just a reminder that The Price of Freedom by Rosemary Aiken, sorry, Rosemary Rowan, um, is being donated to the Ukraine refugee crisis. And here's the blurb for her book. It's uh, one of her... Roman British crime series, which was written under her maiden name. All editions can be found online where all books are sold, even her agents donating her commission. Sorry, I don't have the blurb for that, but uh, that's that's what she's doing. And now, without further ado, let's get you to the guests. So today we have the funniest, hottest writer coming on today bestseller is gonna blow your mind probably have you splitting your sides because he gets me to tell these really off-the-cuff stories so without further ado let's bring in jason hi how are you doing today (laughs) you you know the thing is like we always talk about the talk before the show goes on um so a friend of mine is trying to get me to go on patreon so that I do like 20 minutes with the author on Patreon and then people pay to watch that for 10 mm-hmm. minutes before the podcast comes out. And I'm like, but that's more work. Like, why Why would I give myself more work? Yeah, especially when we were just talking about uh, our, our tendency to doing more work to ourselves. Yeah, because like I, I like to like I like to break the ice, get everybody comfortable, you know, talk a little crap and then, you know, it it it's funner. It's more fun that way, you know. Definitely. No, well, I think it is. So, so where yeah. do we want to begin? Well, why don't we start with uh your cuz you're saying the farmer series is your most Yeah, recent? my uh, my most recent series which started coming out almost a year ago now. Um was what's it's called the Up on the Farm series. 
Uh, and it includes, yep. let's see if I can remember all the books in this series. Yeah, but, I was like, I was going to wait. I'm like, should I look this up or should I just like let him wing it and see if he gets them all? And I'm like, yeah. That's you know? always the, the thing you go. When we've written things, it's so many years ago from when oh, they actually read it that when people yeah. start asking you questions, you go, uh <laughs> i'm especially bad for that. like if if i do marie's world like i wrote maria's world back in 2014 i think it was 20 no 2011 it was 2011 right so that's a long long time ago yeah and people will ask me difference and they forget i've rewritten this like 15 times by now so I forget things, and then they're like, oh, you know, do you remember this? No. You know, sometimes I'll, I'll uh, if it's an appearance and my husband's there, I'll look over at him, because he remembers the stuff better than I do. He's, he's good and at guiding me. That is why we have to, you know, keep what we call, you know, series Bibles. Yeah. <laughs> remember from oh, gosh, the yeah. book. I was looking up something yesterday because I had a character. I'm working on a new series and I had a character yeah. and I had to go, how does he like coffee? Yeah, like remember. stupid stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so I have to go back. Thank you. I the publisher. I was able to go back and go, okay, let's see exactly what I said last time. Just in those little details, but not new. Yeah. That you, you always got to remember from one book to the next exactly like for for marie the world i have to remember right who did she sleep with during that <laughs> period because she's she's just like she floats around a little bit like a butterfly so she's not like sleeping with everybody but she's like had a kiss with somebody but she might have done something else with somebody else and you know she's just she just doesn't conform like most heroines do so i had to, i had to start tracking it and I started off with a whiteboard, and then I realized the whiteboard wasn't big enough to track everything. Because <laughs> I've got twins. So then, like, because the twins both have their own love triangles, right? So I have to kind of keep track of what one twin's doing, and then what the other twin's doing. And then there's a half-sister in the middle, and then she kind of gets who whoever's left over. She sort of bounces between them. And I'm like, yeah, my whiteboard's not big enough. <laughs> That's when you you know you have a lot of moving parts. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. A web. Uh, that, personally, you know, the, the, I per, the software I use for tracking a lot of this stuff is uh, Plotter. I found it a number yeah. of years ago, yeah, and it has just saved my life on so many things. Um, this is the fact that I can keep like I organize plots. I can keep all of them in one file, even from the yeah. entire series. Uh, I can put their character stuff there. I can add notes when I'm doing things, even notes for like future books of when I'm thinking about it so that it's there. Because even when you're like, well, this series that I'm currently writing, um, which is called Love and Liquidation, which starts coming out in November. Uh, yeah. It's a romantic suspense and hence Love and Liquidation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> it's kind of We're... title gives it at all, like names it all kind of like, yeah. So, you know, it's one of those, I, I joke that, you know, with each book I have to up the body count. Uh, it's 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm going to have to get on Plotter, but it's like, I just got used to Final Draft. Oh, oh gosh, for script writing, yeah. For script writing, yeah. Like, I just got used to Final Draft, and I'm like, ah, another program I have to learn? Like, there's almost a, eh. But then, now that I work with a co-writer who's a lot more diligent than me, I'm like, well, if I have Plotter, it should be easier for the two of us to work and not be constantly asking each other questions like, did we already cover this, or when did we discuss this, or you know what I mean? So it mm-hmm. might be a bit easier, but I'm like, I just, I'm dreading having to get another piece of, like, you know, another thing to add to, like, the pile. I love Almost. software, so I'm admittedly yeah. a, a software junkie, so anytime there's something new, I always play with it. Yeah. Sometimes I, I like it. Grammarly. Yeah, I did that with Grammarly for, like, a year or something. I keep my Grammarly. Um, I have Grammarly oh, for I, writing I, aid, I Hemingway. I, have I fell out with it. I I went, I because I started off with it. Um, I, yeah, I started off with it for university because they were like, "Oh, this will help your uh, dyslexia or whatever." Mm-hmm. Didn't didn't help. Oh, it's but I I tried it. You know, better. like I I tried it for a year just to see. So yeah, it's it's interesting, you know, especially with you know one of the conversations that again you're hearing everywhere right now is the issue of AI, oh, and God, I'm yeah. like, we've been using some of this technology to help for us years. with our writing for a long time. Yeah, uh, and Grammarly is you know a good case of that. So is Pro Writing Aid. Um, yep. But another one that I have, because and I'm not affiliates, just as I say this, I don't know what I'm selling. Yeah, anything. you're not promoting them. Is yeah, I, yeah. I have Autocrit, and it's all of them do things a little bit differently. Yeah. And so for me, for editing, having all of them just helps because I know that there are times when I just you can read the same sentence a thousand times and just not catch something anywhere. And sometimes seeing those things and having that, that software help, you know, the big difference between having something work and something not. Yeah. And I'm all about using any of the tools that we have at our disposal. But it is I mean, interesting mm, time for all it, of us. It, it's interesting because AI, you know, it, we. this is my argument on it. It's never going to surpass what a human brain can create. Not not in the sense of, of creative. However, I do think it does need to be regulated so that writers aren't getting screwed out of money. Like, I don't mm-hmm. want the production companies or the, the, the publishing companies to be like, oh, well, we, you know, we know what they've written so far. We can take samples of their work, put it into an AI-generated machine, and then they can pour out novels for us or finish novels for us. I hope that never comes about. But seeing that, somebody sent me um, a link to AI article writers and AI essay writers, where you can you can pretty much just put plug in what you want to say, mm-hmm. and it will create a set number of word count for you to a certain standard. And here's the kicker: most lecturers now can't tell when you're using them. Yeah. So, and that is, as 
in my day job, I am a college professor. And yeah. so that has been one of the toughest things is yeah. knowing that our students I are starting to I don't bother this. with it. Like, I'm going to openly say this because I know my lecturer will probably listen to this. I've never tried it out. I've been offered it so many times. But because like I, I understand the, the module stuff when it, you know. And I'll be like, as a professional on the other end, and that is, I think we need to mess with this. We need to learn this technology. We need to be able to recognize it. Yeah. And I think the hardest thing right now is figuring out how to incorporate this technology. not going away. You live in a new time, especially when you're starting to see Microsoft and they're going to be integrating AI on this. Gonna be part of I actually just signed a book contract um, in that world uh, uh, with a co-editor. We're actually be looking specifically at higher education and using uh, yeah. ChatGPT. Um, and what are the implications of that? And, yeah, you know, I think it's good writer, to know. Yeah, yeah. From the writer perspective, a number of years ago. Uh, I actually took the first line of one of my novels and put it into one of those old versions that could write. And yeah. it was it was humorous because it was so bad. Like in one sense, oh God, it yeah. made no sense. And so at that point yeah. I was like, haha, this is funny. Uh yeah. knowing it would get better. But then of course, you know, we had ChatGPT suddenly really hit the market and you're like, wow, it has gotten a lot better. A lot better, yeah. But yeah. it's like with anything, it is only as good as the person who is actually using it. And you exactly. really have to learn how to, you know, the lovely new term that we have all learned this year, prompt engineering. You have to become a prompt engineer uh, for any yeah. of this to work. And yeah. as an author, there are some things that it just does that just saves you time. And that's where I go, use it for where you need it. Um, like if you're like yeah. in simple things, like how do you, if you have to conduct surgery in the middle of a mall, how do you do that? Yeah. Which, you know, we all have to Google. At some yeah. Point. Whereas you can just ask it the question and it will give you a little bit more straightforward information. Yeah. So that's where I'm like, it can be useful if you just need a name or a location or any of that stuff. I was helping a friend of mine who's working on a cozy mystery, and we were trying to come up with names that involve people. Oh, I, I'm, I'm bad for names. I got pulled I, up I, for that recently. Yeah. Well, I just went in and was like, give me, you know, 10 names that involve pickles for people. And, you know, <laughs> in seconds, I had a list that I could give her. Yeah. And so that's where I go. This is the type of stuff that it just makes life faster. And yeah, that's it from does. like. And it's it's like with anything. It, it's all about figuring it out, learning it, and you know, incorporating the best parts of it and avoiding the parts that don't. Um, and again, it's like I said, it's here to stay. It'll just oh, be interesting to see where ultimately all of this is going. Because you know, I'm I'm just gonna sit back and watch what what the writers achieve with this writers' strike. As I do. You know, because we're not striking here in the UK. So I'm curious mm -hmm. to see how it's going to play out in the States. You know, whether whether they get the uh, the AI 
enforcement or if they don't, if they get the pay rises or if they don't, you know. Um, yeah, I'm, Those I'm are curious. Great questions. And again, I am. <laughs> I do think you're going to see some ability of using AI um, yeah. in script writing just because. I, I can tell you now. Like that. Yeah, like I can tell you from, from my experience that I'm working with somebody that wrote scripts way back in the day, like for TV. Okay. And now I'm writing scripts for what's like today, you know, like today's mm -hmm. version, like today's up today, you know, this is how you do it kind of thing. And I like the old way. I love the old way because then I don't have to like every time I move out of a room, I don't have to set up another scene if I'm working with them because that's how they did it in the old days. They would just say changes room, you know, like they wouldn't set up a whole brand new friggin scene. Um, so if AI can like make that speedier so they can have like every new scene laid out, but I don't have to spend a half an hour detailing, you know, oh, this was in the room and this was in the room and you, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. if they could make that easier for writers. Yeah. Great. But I don't think it's gonna, uh, for anything other than that, I don't really think it's going to work because we like our storylines complicated, if you get my drift. Yeah. Um, and that's where, as I, again, I'm, I'm going to be clear. As of right now, because yeah. I will change not be pulling years. out my magic crystal ball and predicting <laughs> where the future is That is, is such going. an awful saying, considering my name. Come on. <laughs> Come but on. It's one of those, I can't make those predictions. Yeah. And Right now, I think we're safe. Oh, gosh, yeah. But I do think this is going to, you know, we already know. Mm -hmm. Models themselves are learning. They are getting better. That is also yeah. one of the big concerns, is that they are getting better. And what does and that And they're getting better quicker, work? too, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, right, like one of the big frustrations about that is there is just a flood of AI generated books Gosh. on the marketplace. And I don't have a problem, especially, you know, people using AI for helping when writing the books and researching the books, but when it's only written by AI, I think mm -hmm. that should be re you should be able to see right at the beginning that that should be flagged, that this is an AI generated. Yeah. Not because I yeah, think, I think so some too. people would buy it, but I just think we should be honest. Uh, if you haven't really done yeah. much in the actual writing or editing of said book then you know you should be upfront about exactly. that and yeah like i mean don't get me wrong like the stuff that i write there's no ai out there that can can cover what i do because mm -hmm. i cover wrestling i cover romance i cover dance i cover and sometimes that's just in one book so I, I'm pretty secure in the knowledge that there's nobody going to be ripping me off anytime soon. Um, and if they do, I, I have a feeling that there's a very large wrestling audience base that will let me know. <laughs> because, you know, and that, that's what I said to my co-author. I'm like, well, we're safe because computer gen, computer AI can't write wrestling because it's not something they understand. Computers don't understand it. So 
me and him will yeah. always have a genre we can write it, you know? That's the great thing about wrestling erotica or wrestling romance, as we like to call it, because it's difficult. It's difficult and different. And, you know, it's it's your personal style. It's, it's how yeah. you write. But it's like you said, though, one of the things that we know is going to happen is, is that we're going to get to the point where people train their own model based on their style. That is mm-hmm. which that again, it's you, you can even now say, write me a a paragraph for what are in the style Ernest Hemingway. Those yeah. are the, the classic authors. A lot of that stuff, especially any of the ones that are the old ones that are in the public domain, which all this stuff was trained on. Yeah, it, it can do a decent job. I'm worried about when it has access to everything. Um, yeah, and it and will that, eventually. Yeah, especially when you know so much stuff is just out there on the internet. Even if you don't want it to be freely available on the internet, the reality is, is the stuff does get out there, and because of that, nothing is sacred. Nothing is safe. That is very, very true. The other thing that actually I covered with my co-author, which came out this week, the week that we're recording, was um we were talking about social media and how you've got to be super careful what you put out on social media. Yeah. Um, because it does it it does come to bite you in the ass because once it's out there, it's out there. You mm-hmm. know, you can't you can't take it back. Um, so he's been teaching his class about that. And then I was sort of sitting and I was thinking, I'm thinking to myself, I'm so lucky that all that stuff, that all the stupid stuff I did as a dancer and as a performer isn't out there, you know, because we didn't, nobody had oh, cell phones yes. that could record it or, you know, anything like that. Aren't you glad? Because oh, I'm sure God. you've done silly stuff. Oh, well, I you even know? remember, you know, the very first time I kind of realized this was new. Um, I had just graduated yeah. with my doctorate. So they were talking just about 2002, 2003. And there were yeah. students at my alma mater who recorded themselves. They, okay, let me give you some weird context here. Okay. Um, I went to West Virginia University for my doctorate. Yep. And there was a tradition at the time that we won a football game. Let's burn couches. Don't ask me why. It was just something students did. Okay. So we won a football game. Yay. Students burned out in the video and put them on. Right. That was the first time I remember students getting in trouble with the university for something they had put online. And, yeah. And it was one of those moments where I'm like, we've changed. Something is new here. Uh, the fact is, mm-hmm. you know, a, people were starting to document their stupidity, which yeah. was something also new. Let's, then, let's do our illegal behavior and record it. Yeah, but wasn't, like, the reality world starting at that point as well? Like, the yeah. reality TV shows were coming out? So, like, it, that makes sense. Like, that, as soon as we saw reality TV start to move into the mainstream, I would mm-hmm. expect that. Because, like, I remember going to school, Tough Enough was just started... And nobody knew about wrestling in my school before that. Like, I knew about it because I was an avid fan, but nobody else did. And then somebody watched an episode of Tough Enough because it was on MTV. 
And the next thing I know is there's kids locking up in the playground and, and trying to like record it so they could be on the next season and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, yeah, things has changed. Like there's just this kind of light bulb moment in my head of, okay, things, things have changed. So yeah, I, I get, I get that. I get that too well. I was going to say, it's also changed for us as authors because one of the, things that has become really interesting is the whole building your platform and what that has to look like and the amount of time that you have to put just into the social media and the interactions and having things out there and constantly daily yeah i admit i use a scheduler i so i do most of my social media posts at the beginning of the month cheat let's be honest you cheat. I don't oh, cheat. I... I actually, I record it in three-day lots because I, 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 I can't be bothered to blog anymore. I, I can't stand it. Oh, God. So, I can't, you remember that? Like, when we used to do blog tours and stuff. <laughs> oh, that's going back, like, ten years. Um, But, no, like, I can't be bothered to blog because, uh, you know, dyslexia takes takes me twice as long to do it. So I just record little videos every single day and I stick them out. I get up in the morning whenever I get up and I'll stick it out as soon as I get up and that's done. And then after my three days is up, I'll record another three and I just do it that way. But I don't sit on Twitter as much. Um, I am. <laughs> Twitter's become a sense. I don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's distracting too. Like I used to sit. And I'd have the fan page open and I'd have messages coming in for fans because I think I'm close to like 2,000 fans or something on my fan page. And then um, I also had like Twitter who's got like 1,500 or something. And yeah, I, I, I would never get anything written if I sat and I had conversations with people all day. You know, it just just doesn't happen. So what I did was I would say, right, I'll look at my Twitter if anything's of interest I'll send out a message or I'll send out a tweet or whatever. Um, or if somebody I follow, because like John Cena was one of the big names that started following me on Twitter. Huh. Um, yeah, I don't know why he's following me on Twitter, but he's following me on Twitter. And so like, occasionally I might Maybe tweet him he back. he likes wrestling around. Who knows? You never know. I hope he does. Like, I hope he's read it, but I doubt it. Um, I, I was actually going to send him a joke. Send him a signed copy of my uh, seven years um, anniversary edition of Summer of Him, which is when a wrestling uh, wrestler gets booked into a wrestling romance conference or erotica convention, <laughs> and it's like eye-opening experience because you you and I both know what they're like, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. I think I did. I not tell that story of like the. Uh, the weird box signing story when you no. were on. Oh, that one's a good one. You, you... Oh, wait, I told that story last week, so I don't know if I can get away with it. But essentially... <laughs> um, I back and listen to the other ones. Yeah, you can go back and listen to the podcast. Yeah, anyone yeah. who is currently listening who did not hear that story the first time, you can get the go link. Back go, to next, yeah, go back to next week's because uh, I told it because one of the friends I had, or I have, I should say, was was there the night that my I had a fan interaction when I was at a wrestling show, <laughs> and 
you know, yeah, it was hilarious. So check out last week's, because it was a really good story. Check it out last week's um, and have a laugh about it. Because, like, that's the other thing. I have so many, I have some really great stories, and then I have, like, some that are not so great. Like, I think last week I, I spoke about, um, I shared, like, some of my dad's stories and stuff, like, last week. Because Joe and me, we when we start talking about Marie's World and stuff like that, we go we go back to when he was, you know, starting in wrestling and I was in dance and, and all that sort of stuff that went on. Um, so, yeah. But, which is weird because my, my co-author is trying to get me to step into into the ring with him. Oh, and I'm like, should. no chance. No oh, chance. No way. It's not gonna happen. They and were trying to talk on... me into this last week, and I'm like, it's not it's not it's not happening. It's not and happening. Then you need to put it on TikTok for the rest of us to watch. Yes. Uh yes, I could safely see see that happening. <laughs> so yeah. So um but no, like it's weird because me and him do so much online together, but we we actually still haven't been in the same room as each other. Oh wow. You know, like, it, it's so weird because we've done virtual tours and we've done book tours and we've done all this sort of stuff, but we've never actually been in the same room at the same time. <laughs> so, yeah, That's I look forward to that. friends, it's like that. It's, you yeah. know, we, we Zoom, we see each other weekly, but, yeah, we've not physically ever been in the same place. Yeah, and then, uh, the, then when is... we go to the conventions, it's like, yeah. When we go to conventions, we're hugging each other and we're like, oh my god, it's so great to see you. And then there's like, there's got to be at least one of us stops and goes. (laughs) Yeah, you're like, but in your head, you're thinking, you got to think for like a second. Oh, wait a minute. This is actually the first time I'm technically meeting you. You know? Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, oh, I, I have to, um, I have to take my co-author to one of these romantic conventions just to see his face. I'm going to drag him to him. Definitely an experience for those who've never had that. Yeah. So, so Jason's had more experience in this field than I have. Uh, so Jason, give us like an overview of the chaos and the mania that is a romantic convention. Well, it's like anything. It, it kind of depends on the type of convention that you're going to. Some of them are more writer focused. Some of them are more reader focused. And those are going to be yeah. Well, let's, let's, so let's just go with the reader focused ones because they're the crazier <laughs> ones out of the all of it. Let's be honest. It's it's a combination of you know obviously the fans want to see you. They want to get your autograph. They want to talk to you. They want to you know tell you what they loved about your book. And some of them want to tell you what they didn't. <laughs> Yeah. Some people feel the need to tell you that. And you just smile and nod your head and say thank you. And, you know, there's the panels and it's yep. it's a very busy weekend. Um, but it, it's always it, fun it, because it, you get to see everyone. Yeah, but then, then there's always the downside is that somebody gets drunk and somebody ends up in the pool. and <laughs> That's any convention. <laughs> yeah, but like to be fair, though, I think it's like girls gone wild a little bit when it's a romance convention and it's and the authors get slipped off the leash a little bit, you know? There's definitely some of that. 
Yeah, yeah. Like the private parties that we all have that we, we slip into the rooms and stuff, you know. And that kind of falls into the old, you know, joke of what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. What happens at one of these conventions stays there. That, that's where I want to take him. Just, just because he's the nicest guy to work with. But I'm also like, he has no concept of the industry he's been working in for like a decade. You know, I, I just was like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta pull him in and actually like let him experience it. I think it's funny. I want to take him to one of the drag queen nights. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> I'm always for a good drag queen night, so yeah, hey. you you and me need to like go full on like drag queen it out and just go for it. Yeah, I admit I am one of those. I am a fan of RuPaul's Drag Race in every country. Yep, <laughs> seen them all. <laughs> yeah, but they're currently fun, in like... España. Espanol, yeah. Um, no, but and they are Mexico fun. Like about in... the premiere. <laughs> Again, I know. Oh way yeah, too much. I forgot they're going to Mexico. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. With our favorite. I, do you know what I miss? I miss the romance cruise. You know when you're stuck on the boat for like five days. Never done one of those. You so need to do one of those. Everybody adores you. You get you get so much attention on one of those. Yeah, cruise. I'm always mixed with cruisers. Some of them are great, and then some of them it's kind of depends. Mm -hmm. which, which Could you imagine though having dinner with fans every night? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's like because um, they stopped the the romance cruises because of the pandemic, and I don't know if they're ever going to restart them again. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. I, I just think we're still in that. Is this really over, phase? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm still like, I'm still getting the boosters and stuff, and I'm like, you and me eh. both. Yeah, they got and me two like weeks a... ago, three weeks ago. Oh, it did. I lasted yeah, they, for they... three years before it got me this spring. <laughs> oh no, I haven't gotten COVID yet. No, I oh. got my booster three weeks ago. Oh no! It finally, my 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 number got pulled at the beginning of April. Oh, and, that sucks. But, you know, I had all the boosters. I write on the, the antivirals. Yep. Plus, you'll appreciate this. So I knew something was weird. So, like, I thought it was like, we had one of those days where it was like 71 day, 90 the next. And so sometimes when that happens, my allergies. Yeah. So I was like, well, hey, this isn't that bad. But then it was. Could you imagine what it would have been like if you hadn't had it, though? Like oh, if you I hadn't know. had everything. Oh, I know. But so I took a test, and I didn't like the results of that one. So I took a different <laughs> one. Still wasn't happy with those results. So I took a third one. <laughs> so you like phoning the doctor. I... <laughs> by this time, I'd taken three different tests by three different companies, manufactured in three different countries, and yeah. I was like, I guess I have it. <laughs> Yeah, it's the, it's, the, it's the kind of the idea of, oh, God, I got to admit, like, I always laugh. Um, we had this, uh, with this guy that performed with us. Oh, gosh, he was like 18. I was nine. I was just about to leave home. So I was 19. And he did the same thing. He got, I can't remember what he got, but he got this, like, um, 
infection thing from sleeping with a girl. And he took three different kinds of tests before he went to the doctor. And three <laughs> times, like, the pharmacist was like, you've got it. You've got, you, there's no denying this. You've got it. And he, like, was blatantly refusing to admit that he had it. Um, and then he, he literally turned to me. No, none of us really knew what the results were. We knew something was up, but we were sitting and we were doing, like, um, we were on break at the drama rehearsals and he turns to me and he says, well, I got it. And I went, you got what? Being dim-witted as I am. I was like, oh, what did you get? And then, so he tells me. And I'm like, so how many of this cast needs to go get tested now? <laughs> and he was the like, he turned to me and he was like, one, ouch, two, that's offensive, and three, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, well, I know I'm not. <laughs> so yeah but he was like I used to go and smoke cigarettes out the back of the theatre with him all the time um, and just the stuff he'd get into like I remember us being we were in uh, I was 18 he was 17 and we were doing a show and four girls four girls walked in and slapped him four wow because the four of them had figured out that he had slept with each of them in like, in like a queue <laughs> yeah and he texts the wrong girl the same oh. like he texts all the girls the same message but with the wrong name that's one way to get caught yeah and of course they're friends too so they're all sitting and they were all having coffee um and their phone goes off kind of because he, he did it one after the other and he sent the the same text to the to the wrong girl's phone number so they walk in and they literally watched him get slapped four times across the face. And I'm like, did you learn anything? And he went, no. It was a hell of a night, though. <laughs> At least he's honest. Yeah, he was honest. Oh, gosh, he was honest. Um, but he's yeah, like, he was, he was the reason that I turned around after that and I said, I'm never dating a guy that performs in anything, whether it's acting, wrestling, any of it just is not happening because he was like the prime example of of what happens if you do so yeah he yeah, he made I me didn't... change it from i'm never dating a wrestler to i'm never dating anyone who's in performance arts showmances are real and <laughs> yeah i had to the worst thing was i had to, for that season or for for that show i had to pretend to be his girlfriend oh it was awkward i never even let him kiss me which was hilarious because we we did the fake stage kiss so you turn the back your back to the audience uh -huh. and he tucks his head into your shoulder and you tuck your head into his shoulder but you're not actually touching i think anyone who's done the theater has had to do it yeah yeah well, the thing was, I I literally said to the director, I was like, if I if I kiss him, I'm going to catch something, so I'm not doing it. And then he would turn around and say, oh, you you know, he would always try and come back with something, but he never had anything. So it was almost <laughs> like, you know, so he, he would he'd always turn around and he'd go, well, I don't want to kiss you because, and then there would be dead air. 
And then I would, I would just, I just started filling it in. I'd be like, oh, because I look better than you? Oh, thanks. Or what? Because, uh, I'm not a slut? Oh, thanks. You know, like I would just come up with like the weirdest little things I could stick in when he did the dead air. And the director tried for like a month. A month. But nobody had it, like everyone for like the whole time we, we did dress rehearsal, the whole way through the, the performance week. Nobody had a clue we were not dating because we totally sold those characters. And then as soon as that was over, I'm like, never kissed him, never been near him, never will be. Which is <laughs> like kind I of made interesting. a very public announcement in school. Yeah. If the cast didn't even realize that you weren't no, really kissing, no, anymore. nobody did. They they honestly thought we were we were hooking up, but we weren't. We would just go and sit in a room. Uh, at the back of the theater, there was like this old smoker's room before they got rid of the smoker's thing. Oh, the old smoker rooms, yeah. Yeah, and we would just sit in the smoking room, and anyone would come down that little corridor, we'd, we would say, no, you, you're not, you can't come in. And we would just sit there, and we'd smoke cigarettes, and we would we would talk, but we would never, you know, and that was where the illusion got built. Like, we just made a point of... I would make sure I arrived at the same time as him and, or we would get seen getting coffee together or, you know what I mean? Like we just planted things. So even the cast believed it. That That's genuine well, dedication, I think. Because we can acting. stand each other. <laughs> yeah. That, that was like, that was always my problem. I always put myself far too much into my characters. Like, I always, like, try and completely 100%. If I can believe it myself, then I always think the audience believes it. Which, again, that's acting. Yeah. But the other problem is, uh, is is turning it off at the end, you know, and then remembering, oh, crap, I'm actually, like, this is my real life, you know? Oh, I need to go back to the of, real world now. One of my favorite musicals is a, a musical called Next to Normal. And it's <laughs> one of those shows, one, yeah. you know that one? Yeah. Okay. So there was a time when there was an actual couple that were playing the two leads and yeah. they talked about at the end of the night, even when they went home, they kind of had to go to their separate corners just yeah. to decompress because of how emotional the roller coaster of that show is. And yeah, cause they really just invest so much of of themselves into that and yeah i mean don't get me wrong i miss acting like a lot but i miss it because it's like for the time that you're working as a group there's almost like that special friendship that everyone creates mm -hmm. and the bond like you you'll understand this like you, there's a bond that you get formed because you're you're literally with each other so much yeah. Or you're helping each other because there's always some idiot that's last to get off script. There's last to get, you know, that last to memorize the lines or whatever. And um, so you, you're always helping each other and you're always having stupid conversations. And then there's always the cast night out. So you have and you get, you know, where you go out and you do stupid stuff. I miss all that. Like, I miss the friendship. I don't miss the, the performance or the you know the 24 hours before dress rehearsal where i'm freaking the hell out because i'm pretty sure i've just forgot every line i'm supposed to memorize like i don't for i don't miss any of that but i miss the adrenaline rush of going on stage for the first time of working with a group of people that i respect or i like or that i've just been randomly thrown into 
Mm-hmm. And now it, 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 there's just a camaraderie that people who've never acted just don't understand. And exactly, yeah. It, it's just I, such a I, distinct, different type of situation. Yeah, like as I was saying to saying to my co-author the other day, I was like, I would love to see experience one time to go out and be a valet, like just once, just so I know what it feels like. Because I've written about it so much, but I've never actually gone out and experienced it. And he he made the joke the other day of, oh, I'll have to get you to come out and be somebody's valet. And I'm like, no, I'm too old. I'm 34. No one's going to believe I'm a valet. And he's like, yeah, but you don't look 34-year-olds. You're like, you're like a model skinny. So <laughs> he's, he's still trying to talk me into it. He's like, oh, you, oh well, you know, yeah, come, you know. Come, 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 do it! And I'm like, oh, what are you gonna do? Fly me to Germany for one night? Like, mm, that, that doesn't make sense. And he's like, oh, no, no, we'll we'll get you to do something. Like, it's the same as a lot of my friends that are in acting. They're trying to get me to come back. So, like, a friend of mine, she's she does um. She basically started out as a wrestler. She then became a dancer, and then she's gone back to acting. And she was saying to me the other day, she's like, oh, you got to come back, Crystal. You know, you're 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 selling out by writing books. Your face <laughs> is too pretty to be behind the book. You need to be in front. And I'm like, oh, but it's so much hassle. And she's like, oh, no, no, no. Like, we'll, we'll come up with something. We'll come up with something. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. So they okay, are. Yeah, I just have to say, it's so much hassle and you're writing yeah. books. <laughs> yeah yeah well I'll, I'll, nobody yeah but that's the thing like everyone thinks oh writing a book is easy you just sit down and you do it no 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 you know it's it's never ever been that easy for me it is Painful. a giant time commitment yeah yeah the good thing is like the other thing is like when you're writing you don't have to worry about working out or you know any of that stuff either I you do, do have the but... ability just to sit in your pajamas in front of the yeah. if you need to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was my I... yesterday. <laughs> that was my yesterday, too. And then I was like, until uh, I was like, what was it, quarter to nine in the morning? And then I was like, oh, crap, I've got a podcast. I need to go get some clothes on. <laughs> I'm like zooming down the hall, <laughs> full speed, searching, <laughs> you know, like, oh, what can I get, you know? Because I was like, damn, because I, I always have my camera on when I do the podcast uh, so that my guests can see me. And um, so, yeah, so I, I had Which a if panic. you're wondering, and... yes, I can see her right now. And I'm not that cute. Aww. <laughs> I know, like, this is my, my uh, co-writer's thing. He keeps saying to me, why do you, why do you, de you know, have self-deprivation issues? And I'm like, I don't know. I was a performer. Like, that's how you get a tough skin. You make you make fun of yourself. That is but, true. But he still doesn't get it. He still doesn't get it. This is cute. It's cute. So, you know. I'm sure he'll get used to me. <laughs> and you've been co writing for how long? Uh well me and this this person, we just started writing about three three weeks ago. We haven't found a groove yet. We're kinda in that new space of trying to find a groove. But me and Joe's been working together for years. So he's he's used to me texting him, like, in a panic. You know, talking me down for, like, 
45 minutes for your text message because I've been an idiot or whatever, you know. Or I've written myself in a corner and I can't figure out how to get out. And then he's like, oh, so that's my job today? Okay. And then two minutes later, he sends me the answer. You know? So he's more used to me. But yeah, Joe and B and used is... to work a lot of virus together. I was going to say, that's always one of those things that is something we don't always talk about is, is that situation when you have written yourself under a corner and you have to oh, go, gosh, yeah. how do I get out of this? And sometimes having those author friends that you can use as your sounding boards and be like, yeah. here's the problem. I don't know what to do. <laughs> and we, all, to go, hey. we, all, we all have those moments of, do we go get the bottle of whiskey now? Or do we actually go talk to a friend and not get hammered? Or do we, you know, have our author friends that we, you know, go, hey, I need help. Yeah, yeah but the, 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 the whiskey do. does sound a little bit more tempting sometimes. Yeah, not for me. I'm a, I'm a more of a vodka guy. Yeah, you're you're vodka and I'm I'm not even allowed to drink now, so I, I don't even have the excuse of writing drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I've never written intoxicated. I, I don't think that would be a very good idea. I've done it. I've done it. And actually it came out better than when I was sober. <laughs> I don't know what that says about me or or if it like somehow negates the dyslexia or whatever. But I wrote um when I first wrote Summer of Him, I was, I'd gotten my hands on, on, uh, mulled wine seven years ago. I got oh. mulled wine. And so I was heating it up and I was firm, making it stronger, essentially. And I was drinking it at night. And then I was like barreling in, just writing with this stuff. And I, I, I'm pretty sure I got drunk a couple of nights. Um, and yeah, I love like, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, like, I remember getting remember, to bed. remember, that's a pretty good sign that yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm, like, pretty sure. Pretty sure. But I stopped drinking after that. My publishers can tell, like, when I've written certain material drunk and when I haven't, so. Yeah. She says I'm better drunk. Huh. <laughs> she, she did. And, She's like, know. Crystal, go get drunk. So. We all have our different writing processes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I gave it up. It's not good for your liver. Um, but I gave it up. And since giving it up, I feel healthier. But my, I think my editor is less healthy. I'm one of those famous drinker. So predominantly, like, I'm drinking with like, you have my neighbor that we became right. the pandemic because... Pretty much, we were staying at home, so the only people we ever talked to, so we would get together every like we can have pandemics. Well, we still get together, you know, every few weeks now and try to solve the world's problems and drink. Yeah, well, we all have to do that, though. To be fair. And we did take a little bit of a victory lap yesterday because certain someone <laughs> had a, a second indictment. Yes, I seen that. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I was wondering if you were going to mention that. 
they, they, I always laugh because I say, oh, this show's politic free. It never is. It's never is. <laughs> Life isn't politic free. Yeah, well, writing like, is politics. How do you not? You know, like the, the book that I'm, I'm currently working on. Um, I didn't want it to be a didn't want to go It's crazy that I think the whole situation. But here's something that I I was going to bring up with you because you'll understand this kind of better than most people is the politics behind publishing. Mm-hmm. Because that's that's becoming a thing now, where people are politicking to get better deals. And they're politicking to get more marketing budgets and stuff like that. And rather it being about the work we put in, it's now all become about who can who can out-politic somebody else. Or whether your agent or your editor can out-politic somebody else, if you know what I mean. Yeah, but I also think... Well, I'm, I completely agree with you. I also think it's much harder now to, to politic. Yeah. Uh, the reality yeah. is, is because we have seen the constant, you know, one publisher eating another publisher, which eats another publisher. Yeah. The reality is, is we have fewer and fewer uh, of the big publishers. So there's less competition across the board. Yeah. And so you typically see most competition are in your smaller independent publishers. And they don't produce it. Mm-hmm. So unless it's just something that is ridiculously breakthrough or one of those giant named authors, the old days of those lovely seven-figure advances... Oh, they're gone. ...are far between. Uh, yeah, that, they're gone. It's a, it's a different world. And so publishing has changed so much. I think some things are for the better. I do th- love the fact that, mm-hmm. you know, especially with self-publishing, the, the democratization of yeah. publishing, that you don't have just these gatekeepers who dictate what they think society is going to want. Yeah, that's true. So that, I think, is good. I, I At the same time, there is the flip side of that. That is because... It's harder to make a living out of there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there are some people that are still just amazing that mm-hmm. I'm, I'm awed by. 
Um, one of my favorite authors um, is a woman by the name of Amanda Emily. She's a cozy mystery, predominantly paranormal cozy mysteries. Yeah, and if I know you look, she's... she's consistently one of the top earners um, on Amazon. Yeah. And I'm, again, all of it is stuff she does. She basically runs her own little publishing empire. She's putting out at least one novel a month, something you're about to learn to do. Yeah, no, like like an idiot, I signed that deal. Yeah, which yes. is impressive. You know, it's not impressive. It's do... nuts. Like there, there's a reason that they call it the rarest contract in publishing. Yes, uh, I I have no desire. <laughs> yeah, you, you're like, like you my... you like the whole relaxed schedule compared to like the oh god, I actually have deadline well, stuff. Mine is more like, I'm going to put it off, put it off, put it off. Yeah. I'll do some research, put it off, put it off. Oh, no, I have to get the written. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, that's what I'm like now. But thank God I've got a back catalog that's like, I mean, I, I literally could probably get away with not writing a single word for a year. Wow. Because I have so much back catalog that I've written over the, the years. And then, then I could worry about certain things. But what I stupidly agreed to was I would finish my series oh which is where the cropper comes in because Joe and me we just finished plotting the whole of Marie's World series which is 64 books oh my gosh yeah and then we like because we agreed on that and then we agreed to I've agreed to do six books for the waking series and I've okay. got four books for the summer, like the seasonal one, which is like Summer of Him, Winter of Her, Spring of Them, Autumn or something, you know? So. Oh, the joys of making it. Well, I, I, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm procrastinating right now because I've handed in three books, at least. I've handed in three books. Um which is book number five, which is Layla went in, which is the, the you know, you're getting to see the other twins point of view mm -hmm. now. So I've just handed her in, but I'm looking at like the list of how long that series is. And I'm like, ah, I'm going to have to go write it soon. But at the same time, I'm thinking I got to write the second one to the waking series because I haven't done that yet. Like it's, it's in transition. It's like, I, I wrote it as a script first, like the se the second one as a script, because I thought, oh, that'll be easier if I just take the script and I I put in description. <laughs> Novel oh, be easier. Novelization of a script is, oh. Yeah. Yeah, I thought, oh, that'll be easier. No. I'm like realizing as I'm going through the dialogue that works in a film does not work in a book. So I'm like rewriting the entire thing constantly. So, yeah. I... I so my background is, is interesting that you bring that up, that specific issue, because yeah. when I was in graduate school, I was working my master's degree. You were able to like, at that point, I was working on a statistical project. I was over looking at that stuff. So I looked around and I found a graduate classroom. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm going to take playwriting <laughs> just because I was like, this will be something interesting. Again, going back to our yep. theater conversation, I've always been a huge theater fan. The fact that yep. I live 90 minutes north of Broadway right now is amazing. Having heaven. 
even though you're I've... currently suffocating in the uh, the wildfires. Oh my gosh, that has just been. Hell. It's been wild to see an orange sky. I did see blue yeah. sky yesterday where I am, so Well that's we're... a good sign, right? Yes. Yes it is. That was the first time I'd seen a blue sky in days. So I yeah. took this playwriting class and you know, in this we taught story structure, we taught dialogue, we taught, you know, some of those just basic things that anyone needs to have when telling a story. Yeah. And when I decided to take up writing uh, fiction, uh, those same skills became so useful. Yeah, and even some of the things that you learn, you know, just about, you know, writing dialogue. Um, is mm -hmm. it a perfect transference? No. But no. you learn more about natural language and what it needs mm -hmm. to sound like versus, you know, how we actually talk, which if we actually wrote dialogue the way we actually talk, it, <laughs> it would be atrocious. crazy. Exactly. I mean, just trying to figure out the punctuation on some of our sentences that go on forever would be... Yeah, I'm terrible oh. for that. You know I'm terrible for that. <laughs> but yeah. so it was nice, you know, to see how much what I learned there really just transferred over. Um, and that's why I think having any kind of fiction writing background yeah. helps you if you make this switch into writing fiction, um, you know, prose. Oh gosh, there's there's somebody that I'm gonna send you a link to when we get off of this, um, because when I started out learning to write, I was writing dance, which is a totally different beast again, mm -hmm. as you know, and so I would write dance storylines, but I did I overcomplicate everything because that's just how my brain goes, so. <laughs> I understand. Yeah. And of course, I'm growing up in a time where wrestling is hugely predominant in my life because all my friends, when I was in hospital, all my friends watched it. And in fact, I still have some of my friends' DVDs, wrestling DVDs in the hall <laughs> that he kept. Um, and every day or every time I would see my friend, he would come in and he'd throw a Raven tape or DVD in my lap. And I would be like, well, what are we watching? And he'd be like, oh, let's, let's watch ECW or oh, oh, let, let's watch this guy. And it was like interviews where he talks about psychology and all this important stuff that you need for when you write scripts. But what I didn't realize was how much of an impact he'd have on my career as a writer, because mm -hmm. I took everything that I learned from watching hours and hours and hours of video on him. And I started putting it not only in my dancing, but in my acting and into my, now into my novels and now into my screenwriting. Um, so he became like one of the hugest influences on me. And that guy, for being the, one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life, in fact, I think he is the smartest person I've ever met in my life. He takes a character and he makes that character 100% believable both in a wrestling ring and outside. Which is a, I mean, absolute amazing skill. Because people would actually physically believe his story so much that when he'd meet the fans outside the ring, they'd still believe the story. Like, they, <laughs> they couldn't tell where the wrestler ended and he began. Um, so yeah, I'll have to send you over a link to his podcast because I think 
his podcast is funny, but then if you actually go and watch some of the videos of some of the things he did, he was far out there before I was far out there. Like, <laughs> you know, because like you've heard some of my stories before. Um, ones that I might mention later, like the one with the, the fish. Um, <laughs> Tuna. Which I, I think is hilarious that you've actually reused that in a conversation, you know. Because it was just so... Okay, now you actually have to tell the story because it was just oh, so absurd. Geez. You just and I it's so the way the way that you originally told it was just so visual, and I'm just like picturing you trying to go hang your clothes <laughs> <laughs> and, and dealing with sea life at the same time. So I was I was staying at my grandmother's house. I was 16. I was staying at my grandmother's house, and uh, she said, "Go hang out the washing, but here, take this tin of." sardines it was the sardines here take this tin of sardines and i said well what do i need a tin of sardines for to hang out washing that doesn't make sense she's like trust me take it now of course she knew what was going to happen to me before i went down the stairs but that's beside the point so i went down the stairs with this tin of open sardines balancing on top of washing i get down i set the I still have the tin of sardines. And then I see this little furry thing start kind of appearing over the wall. The seawall. And I'm like, the hell is that? Nope, just ignore it. So I, I move the tin down. And then I start hanging up the washing. And the next thing I have is these otters. Which are vicious little buggers. Come out of the water and they start nipping at my ankles. Because I haven't given them the sardines. So they start chasing me around the garden because they want their sardines. And of course, I'm a dim-witted person not realizing that, oh, there's a tin of sardines I could give them. Finally, they get this tin of sardines and I go back inside and backs of my ankles I have little teeth marks on the backs of my ankles. Oh my gosh. And she said to me, she's like, why didn't you feed them the sardines? Because you didn't tell me I had to feed them the bloody sardines. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so yeah, that that's the story in question. But it wasn't just that. Like growing up next to the ocean where I did, we saw whales killing seals. We saw seals that would like try and go with your fins if you were in the water. I had a friend, this um this guy that I used to swim with. He was quite he was quite chubby, and that was why we were doing sea uh, sea swimming with him. And he, this, this poor guy would get met, like this seal would try and hump him every time he went in the water. Every time. And it didn't matter how fast he swam or where he swam, the seal always seemed to follow him. And it used to make him so paranoid. It was hilarious. I knew I'd be okay as long as there wasn't any whales around. Um, if he was with me, because then the seal would attack him and not me. So yeah. <laughs> I used him, I used him as bait a lot. Like, he, he, he messaged me the other day, and he's like, I didn't realize that you were a cow to me growing up. And I'm like, how? And he's like, you were using me as seal bait. I was like, well, like, so? Yeah. Yes, well, I was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was. Like, you know, I, I you never were very it. good like, seal bait. You know? So, yeah. But um, he went through, like, four dry suits in three years with this one particular oh seal. Because it just wouldn't give up. Like would not give up but he lost all his weight because he had to swim so fast just to get away <laughs> so yeah the del delights of growing up on an island where you've got nothing to do you know 
Well, you had things to do. You <laughs> running from seals. Well, yeah, you, you yeah, like there's um cuz I was up with my husband a couple of years ago. And uh we were we were staying with my parents. We went down to have fish and chips at the the pier. And my dad had warned me about a seal that was particularly um demanding. Demanding is a good word, demanding. And what we watched was him jumping onto the backs of fishing boats. He was taxing the fishing boats as they were coming in. Oh, wow. So they, they, and he was like 800 pounds or something like that. 800, 900 pounds. He was, he was massive when I saw him. Big old seal. (laughs) Yeah. And he would, he would just slide onto the end of the boat. They would have to give him four fish. So he would leave. Now the boat's already full of fish. So when he sits on the end of it, the boat's like sinking. So they always had the fish waiting for him. Because they were like, well, we don't want to sink with the catch. So he'd get fed, he'd slide off it, and he would sit in the water and he'd wait. But if there was no boats coming in, he would harass the tourists. He would climb up onto the pier and he would harass you till you gave him a portion of your fish and chips. Oh, because he learned that he could do that and get away yeah. with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's not and like we have, you know... smart seal. <laughs> yeah, He's still around, actually. He's he's a really old seal now, but yeah, he's still around. He he literally goes and he lies on the uh, the harbor when he knows that the whales are coming, and he will just lie there, and nobody will touch him. Nobody will go near him, and he'll just lie there, and he'll wait till the till the whales bugger off, and then he goes back in the water. And then when he knows they're coming back, because they always circle Shetland, at least once before they move on to the main grounds. And so he'll wait and he'll find a comfy spot and he'll wait and wait them out and then he'll go back in. And that's why he's lasted so long. The otters don't last quite as long, though. They do get eaten. Oh, Yeah. The the whales got them last time that they were there. They got the the otters and they um, they got the dumb seals, the seals that don't get out of the water. So, yeah. So yeah, it's weird, because um, my, my dad, every time he drives through the main town, which is Larrawick, he'll stop just to make sure the seal's still there. Aww. You know? He has a friend. Yeah, because my dad used, what my dad did not admit to my mom for the longest time was they had an otter that lived just down from their house. And the guy that owned the house before them, he used to tie an uh, a fish to his shed door. Right? So that the otters could have food. But they, he never told my parents any of this. So when they bought the house and they moved into the house, this otter started appearing. And they oh, didn't no. know where it was coming from or why it kept coming. And he was looking for his daily snack. And he would, and it wasn't like a small fish he gave him. It was like a full-sized salmon he'd tie at the door handle. And the otter also would keep all the mice out, the the house so when mom and dad moved in they had a choice feed the otter or get chased by said otter and it eventually (laughs) they got the uh, animal control to move it on but um so my dad fed it for like a year because he felt guilty that you know he's like oh we can't we can't starve the thing and my mom's like don't feed it don't feed it and he's like Oh, I can't. I have to feed it. So I, I totally stooged my dad into my mom. 
It's like, my dad's pretty good at stooging me, so I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll just return the favor, you know? So, yeah. But I was, I was saying in last week's episode, my dad, my mom just stewed all of my less than uh, pristine stories to my dad a couple of years ago. So all those awful, naughty stories that I didn't want him to know about, he now knows. I'm like, thanks, oh, we- mom. I do that to my parents periodically. I'll, I'll yeah. drop in stories from like, yeah, I remember when we were in high school and I did this. And they're like, you did what? Yeah. Yeah. But my dad was but so oblivious. You just didn't know back then that are, are okay now that we're, you know, 30 years past that and you can't ground me. Yeah. Well, no, my dad did. My dad literally came and lived with me for two weeks. <laughs> it was weird. No, I was like, uh, my my dad had no idea about my comings and goings as a teenager um, because I got really smart. The problem with living in Shetland is everybody knows you uh, if your dad is popular. My dad was popular. Mm-hmm. He was the debt collector, so everybody knew. I don't know if that would make him popular. Or... <laughs> oh, no, it did. Like, because everybody wanted to know where he was and what he was doing. So, you know. And the problem was I was... Uh, I also had a very eccentric family. My cousins were my cousin is a, a DJ. And he was very eccentric. And so they just assumed I would be. And I, I was very popular from a very young age because I stand out. I've always stood out. I've always been something like that. So the first time my dad never told me he was a debt collector until I was in high school and this kid walked up and slapped me in the middle of the school. Because my dad took his dad's fishing boat. Oh. And that was when I was like, wait, hold on a second. Why did I just get slapped in the middle of the school? Like, normally if I get smacked, I've done something to deserve it. This time I'm getting hit for what reason? And it made no sense to me. So I went home at lunchtime and I'm like, dad, yeah. Because of course I just thought you worked with fishermen. I didn't ever pay attention. Like, what is it you actually do? So I tell him what happened to me. And he's like, the kid did what? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, I debt collect. It's like, you didn't think to tell me that before I started high school? No, it never came up. (laughs) So yeah, so I, I learned to be quicker on my feet after that. I would, yeah, imagine so. Considering he's the only debt collector that was on the island. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah that definitely Yeah, that definitely makes a difference. <laughs> and then I found out, uh, I was 15, I found out I had a doppelganger on the island. Interesting. So there's a, like a version of me, but she's chunkier. And she's the same name as me. And she, she looks so much like me, my dad has nearly crashed the car twice thinking I'm walking down the street and it's not me, right? Um, so, and her name is Crystal as well, right? Oh, gosh. So she would get herself into trouble and I would get blamed for it. <laughs> and I'd be like, wait, I didn't do that? And they're like, oh, well, who did? And I'm like, uh, my doppelganger? And they're like, you have a doppelganger? I'm like, yeah, there's a girl that looks like me, same name, you know? 
then I'd have to explain it. And she stayed on an island that was further out than the mainland. I stayed on the mainland island, and she stayed on this tiny little island called Falza. Ah, man, we used to go back and forth. See, the day I finally met her, I was, like, so ready to, like, slap her. Because I'd gotten, like, so much trouble over the years because of the things she'd done. You know? And she knew what my last name was, so she would just, like, change her last name to my name so I would get the trouble for whatever she'd just done. Yeah. And, 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 you know, respect to her, that was kind of genius. It was, yeah. (laughs) Except for the thing was, I'm getting, like, girls squaring off with me because she went and snogged someone's boyfriend. Oh. And I didn't know anything about it. And I'm like, I don't know who that is. Like, what, what the hell? So yeah, that that went on for years. Um, but now we're not on the same island, and my dad has to constantly remind himself I don't live there anymore. And the girl yeah. he see walking down the street is not me. But she's had a kid now, so it's less like she's less like me now. So, but yeah, I I was never expecting my doppelganger to stay less than three hours from me. It's always interesting when that happens. I actually had yeah. one of those when I was in graduate school and everyone constantly was confusing us. I never met him, but everyone was constantly telling me, Oh, I saw you there. Yeah. And I was like, that wasn't me. <laughs> or you, you, my favorite is, well, you ignored me and you're like, no, I didn't ignore anyone. Yeah. That yeah. wasn't me. And you start to kind of question your own mental state as well, because you're like, well, did I, yeah. or didn't I, was I there? Was I not there? You know, like, that was that was the thing about me and because i drank so much when i was a teenager i also had to kind of think would i have done that i had to start asking the question would i have done whatever is i'm being (laughs) accused of you know because that that was another thing like i would be accused of doing something and i'd be like but would i have actually done that and then i'd think about it for a minute and i got really good at talking myself out of situations because of that which came in handy when I went to wrestling, when I went down and t- did my first wrestling show. So, how so? I was a writer. I didn't get in the ring. I I stayed. I stayed in the uh, crowd for the night. You, but you stayed yeah. where you were the most comfortable. Yeah, yeah, essentially. Um, however, I I did not manage to talk myself out of an endless amount of trouble that weekend. So. <laughs> yeah, thank God my best friend was staying in my room that weekend. Yeah. I have been there. Having a roommate prevents things from happening. It's good because then you you can say, well, because I came down one morning and this guy had made up this huge, fantastic story about me. And I looked over at my best friend and I said, would you like to repeat to them what actually happened last night? And she goes, yep, Crystal came into the room. She got in her pajamas. We climbed into the bed we were sharing and she passed out. She totally debunked the guy's story in like two seconds. It's like, not nearly as entertaining as you seem to no. think it was. Yeah. Oh, I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I was I was extremely flattered, but I knew it wasn't like I knew it wasn't me. <laughs> but it did turn out he confused me with a, a girl that he picked up at the wrestling show. So, <laughs> which happens apparently. That was the same weekend that, that one of my wrestling buddies followed me and he's like, uh, 
okay, I kind of did a boo-boo. I slept with the driver who's driving me. Uh, I can't get her to leave my bedroom. Can you come oh, upstairs no. and pretend that you're my girlfriend so that she'll leave? Oh, my gosh. So I went upstairs. I knocked on the door. I'm like, hey. And then I walked in the room. I gave him a hug. And then I was like, and then I just did this, like, big monologue speech. I blew up, you know, the pretend blow up thing. And she didn't get the hint. She just sat there, like, just sat there staring at me. And I'm like, oh, for God's sake. Like, and I'm, like, acting my ass off. And then he totally blows the whole thing by hugging me again. So, like, there's no way I can do the whole routine anymore. So I just decide, oh, I'm going to be blunt. I'm going to be blunt. You need to leave. I turned around and I said, look, you're his one night stand. I know you're his driver. I know you got to drive him to the next town, but he's not interested. He's had his one night stand. You're done. Um, She didn't talk to me ever again, actually. But I did him the favor. I got rid of her, so... Even if it did get me, like, I pray I covered yes, my drinks gosh. after that. Yeah, I was pretty sure I was going to get, like, something slipped in my drink or something. So I was, like, I was not having any drinks that I didn't open after that. <laughs> Which, in general, is just a Yeah. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I think growing up in Shetland, people did sort of, like, Roofy people because they thought it was funny. Oh, wow. So I always had that kind of thumb over my drink thing. Or I would walk around with my hand over the drink because I just, I have no trust. And then when I went to wrestling, the first thing I said to my friend, my best friend, I was like, I was like, I love you, but you need to cover your drink the entire time we're here because I don't know what any of these guys are taking and I don't want you to get dosed. And lucky I did say that to her, because somebody got roofied that weekend. I don't know who it was, but uh, somebody got roofied that weekend. And I was just, I was so glad it wasn't her. And it wasn't me. That's horrible. So, yeah. But yeah, that that was kind of the running gag for, like, the longest period. Crystal doesn't trust anybody. Like, of course no. I don't trust people. Yeah, I was like, see, if that was something I was facing on a regular basis, I wouldn't be trusting anyone either. Yeah, I mean, I worked, I worked as a bartender, and I... I had a friend who worked in one of the bars with me and he was, he was known. He was known if like, if you said, yeah, I want wicked, uh, with the twist, right? Like that was how you would order it. He would slip ecstasy into the, into your drink for you. Like blue, blue wicked was the drink. And then he would, the twist was the, the ecstasy. So like I learned really quickly that you know this was this was something that he did for people and i was just like oh okay 18 slightly naive i'm like oh okay so yeah i i always made sure i made sure that the the guy whoever was serving me knew what drink i was ordering and i never ordered anything with a twist and i didn't like ordering cocktails because cocktails is where they can get you, by the way. It's the biggest, oh. biggest, quickest way for somebody to roof you. Apparently. That took a dark turn. Yeah. Oh, I do that. I do that all the time. It's weird because uh, one of the people I was working with recently, he's like, Crystal, you're, you're like, you. it's like you've got ADHD. You never stay on one topic for longer than 30 seconds. 
The kind of starting to agree with him, though. Kind of agreed with him. Kind of. But how does that impact your writing? Thing is, though, when I'm writing a novel or writing a script, I can stay 100% focused on the story, but my brain's doing 50 things at the same time. Mm -hmm. But I never got di- I've never been diagnosed with ADHD. I got dyslexia, but that's it. And then, because I did a dyslexia test last year, and they said I'm high functioning dyslexic. And I kind of looked at her funny, and I went, "Well, what what's high functioning about me exactly?" And she was like, <laughs> "Yeah, like it was it was a total off the cuff." And the, this is something that happens with me is I don't always think about what I'm going to say before I say it. I just say it. Um. So she's she's you know this really high graded education psychologist, and I turn around and say, "Well, what's mm-hmm. high?" <laughs> you know. And she said, "She so she says to me, she goes, well, she says." Your your brain, your brain gets bored so easily. You're essentially having to do more than one thing at the same time. And I was like, oh, does that mean I'm intelligent? And she's like, yeah, you're highly intelligent. You just never had an IQ test. And I'm like, I don't want an IQ test. And she's like, why not? And I'm like, because I'll fail it. And she's like, how? And I'm like, because I can't do math. And she's like, oh. Oh, well, that's not what an IQ test is anyway. Like, okay. But I only find this out recently. My mother and my father have high IQs, but in Mm -hmm. different things. And my brother's got an extremely high IQ, but they never tested me. So I'm curious now. (laughs) And my mother won't tell me what she thinks I am either, so... Well, the reality is, is even when it comes to IQ tests, it doesn't take in everything into account. Yeah, and, exactly. You know, different people do better. In... Yeah, you know, I know a lot of people. Yeah, math is going to be a problem just because it's so formulaic. Well, see, the thing is, I can't do logic. I've never done logic. But put me in a writing situation or a creative situation where I have to problem solve. I'm really good at that. Like, I can come up with solutions on my feet really quickly. But if I have to sit and do it for multiple choice, that was where I used to go, really? Like, that's a test? Like, what? But, you know, like, if I was doing it verbally, I can do it fine. It's just sitting and reading it. So, yeah. But my... They they reckoned that I was high functioning creatively and with language, visual, creation, and like reading people was my other thing. I can read people really well. That's good. Yeah, I, I think is a very important skill that a lot of people do not have. Yeah, because that was the good thing about when I because I started acting when I was six, 
because I did like TV when I was five and then I started acting when I was six. So I was around adults most of the, like older kids are adults all my life. And one of the things mm-hmm. that I used to get really good at was watching, I people watch obsessively. I love that. I love the people watch too. I think people watching is, is so important. Yeah. But I, but one of the things that I did that my, my drama club never did or anybody that worked with me ever did until recently, till I started working with wrestlers was, uh, they never listened to the crowd. And, uh, I always used to say, if you're, you're acting or you're performing, you have to be listening to the, to the, to people who you're selling to, because if they don't right. buy it, well, what, what the hell are you doing? Um, so that was something I used to be able to really do was, to take uh, take something that was very tense filled audience and spin it to whatever it needed to be, and I think I rescued several plays over the years by just listening to. Them. And Shetland is really bad for deadpanning people, so <laughs> oh gosh, they don't like making noise. They don't like laughing. Oh, like they no. totally killed Billy Connolly's act. Billy Connolly came to Shetland and said he'd never do it again because they didn't laugh. The first night he that, was there, nobody painful. laughed at a single joke he had. He came off the stage in the mid at the break, and he's like, "I'm dying out there. Nobody will laugh." And somebody pulled him aside and said, "Actually, they're hanging on to your every word. Chill. You will get the biggest applause, and you'll get the biggest reaction at the end. They're just hanging on to what you're saying." And it was right. Like as soon as he finished, he had the biggest laugh, the biggest. Rep- you know, they, they all stood up. They all went nuts. They sold out his second night. He came back a second night. But because somebody had said to the community, you need to laugh when a comedian's on stage, they picked up the cues to when they were supposed to laugh, and they did. But because they didn't know how to interact with a, a comedian, they had deadpan wow. for the entire night. So I'm really bad for that. that that's painful yeah it is it's like a nightmare for a comedian because one of my jokes one of my standing jokes um with somebody that knows me exceedingly well is we used to do deadpanning contests in the drama club and i was one of the only people that would never break so my friend reckons i should uh i should go one-on-one with the actress from wednesday to see who (laughs) would break first she is, oh, unbelievably talented. Yeah, she's unbelievably talented. By back, I could make her break before she could make me break. <laughs> but then I, I have the wickedness. I have the wicked, cerebral side of myself that I'm now developing again. So, yeah. So tell us what you're reading. What am I currently reading? I've actually been reading uh, the Vampire Knitting Club <laughs> series. Okay. It's a cozy mystery series. Um, right. It's one of those things that I love listening to audiobooks before bed. And so yeah. the cozy mysteries before bed are, are just a nice way to, to wind down. Yeah. Uh, beyond that, I'm also uh, currently reading a craft book. Um, I've I'm a member of a group called Savvy Authors, which is an online group. I know that group. Yeah, I'm in okay. there. Yeah, I'm in the, the you know the summer reading program, and so mm-hmm. we're doing the um in a book on emotion right now, and so I'm, I'm listening to that too. Yeah. So and I admit, I'm... um, 
I spend I'm going to have to get you a audio. copy of Summer Hemp. I'm going to have to get you the audiobook of that. Oh, I, again, I love audiobooks. It's but, it, a lot of it is is as an author, you spend so much time writing and looking yeah. at things that it's nice to have that ability to switch. Uh, exactly. I just finished um, a review of what is her name uh Jeanette de Bouvier's The Fine Art of Deception uh she has a new book that just is I think it comes out next week I'll have to get you to send me that title because I want to pass that on to a friend of mine because I think I think he would enjoy it but I'm I'm not sure for me it's fun um it's a mystery series that takes place in Provincetown Uh oh I thought you meant the um the Art of Deception. I thought you meant that that was like a writing tool book. Because isn't there nope, one that's this... a writer's tool book? Oh, there, there's a lot of... <laughs> there's so many yeah, there's so books. many. That's why I thought that, like, oh, you must have been studying, you know? like. I look around me and go, I have at least two dozen writer's books just sitting around me right now. I had now. to start selling mine because I have so many and I, I don't have a lot of space because I'm in a two-bedroom apartment. So I was like, oh, I'm going to have to sell some of my books. So I stuck all I stuck the writers one um all the writers ones up for sale on eBay because I'm like well I've read them they're somewhere in my head if I need it it'll come back to me and they are the they sold quicker than the ones that's in the fancy loot box ones you know like the wow. fairy loot and the Illumicrate. yeah I actually got more money for them than I did for the Illumicrate ones which I I was really surprised about I think I I mean. I'm a, as an author, I'm a collector of craft books just because yeah, we do, we we're do always it. trying to up our game. Yeah. Um, and, it's a contest with ourselves. Yeah. And it's, there's also, there are always new ones coming out. Yeah. And so you're always looking to, I mean, even if you take like one little nugget from a book, that's one little nugget that you can use to make yourself better. And my and... my argument is don't read the books by somebody that you don't know or you don't like their writing. Because there's a lot of people that write, I say, workbooks for other writers and they've never done anything. If you know what I mean? They've, like, they've never really written anything. And then when you read the book, you're like, uh, no, you don't do that. Oh, uh, no, that doesn't make sense. Like, do you, know what I, do you know what I mean? Yeah, there are definitely some craft books out there that... Are just I rubbish. questioned yeah. the person who wrote it. And I'm like, especially That's when you, I'll you never do try one. to figure out what have you written? What have you actually yeah. written that yeah. makes you the expert? I mean, and I, I get that it, it is in its own right a different type of writing. Um, mm-hmm. But... Yeah, you have to have had some experience because half of you know writing a craft book is like you know this is stuff I've learned as yeah. a writer, and this is how I. Which I've means made you have to have actually better. written something, yeah. Yeah, and I know, you know people who have published craft books who've never actually. Yeah, I I think that in the craft books now we need to be seeing more about author platforming, networking. Like, I would like to see them talking more business and less about the craft itself, because I think there's so many of these upcoming authors behind us that haven't necessarily had the same experiences we have. So they're, like, so far behind the game in regards to putting the business stuff aside, you know, putting the business stuff together. And then they make 
like it's almost cringeworthy to watch them make the same mistakes we've made, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and and thankfully there is a new generation of craft book that's specifically targeting like building yeah. your social media platform. Um, I'm gonna have to read one of those. Damn. Good. Um, probably one of my favorite ones in that genre. Uh, have you read Newsletter Ninja? No. No, you're going to have to send me that one. It's basically all about building your newsletter. Okay. Out, which is, you know, one of those things we know is, is a huge seller today is the ability yeah. to get people to subscribe to your email. Um, I'm realizing that in the air, your email. Yeah. And again, easier said than done. Exactly. But also, like what I what I do now is because I feel guilty about. Because I went and I taught at college. I did a, a talk for, for a local college last month. And I was like, I realized that the, these younger kids, they have no concept of networking or, you know, understanding what they're getting themselves involved in. So they had me there to talk about podcasting, but it became about the creative industry as a whole rather than just mm -hmm. podcasting. And one of the things like I was showing them examples of people that have built their brand so quickly but lose it so quickly and mm -hmm. so that that's why I'm doing the PDA videos now where I'm like uh so your author your first author signing make sure you've done your marketing make sure you've done your media make sure they've put the media out so that you don't just show up and you're like a car salesman with a copy of your book that's just arrived 10 you know two minutes before you're supposed to start signing um and you're trying to sell it to like random strangers as those are walking by you, for instance, you know, like silly things like that. Um, I'm putting in PDA videos, but actually Victoria Everard has started doing it as well. She, I like, I don't know if she's seen one of mine and thought, oh, I'll do that. Um, but she did a PDA about not responding to reviewers. Oh gosh. Yes. And don't respond to bad reviews or, you know, or, or don't good share ones. them as well, you know, or personally, so when my first book came out, I admit I read them. Oh, uh, so did I. And that was the last time I did that. <laughs> yeah, I just, I'm right there with you. The I figure was, if there is an issue, I'm getting. Oh God, yeah. People can kill their careers by just responding to a review. Yeah, and before it honestly, even begins. Yeah, those play those are, are are not designed for the authors, and I know that's no. hard for authors to, to grasp, but the reviewer places are for the reviewers. Let them do their thing there. We do our thing before. And that's where one of yeah. the things that's, I think Hindsight's a bitch. really hard is to go. Once I've written the book, once I have edited the book, my part is at that point done. done. Yeah. I just have to, you know, sit back and let everything else just kind of happen um, because that's not our part of the world. Our, our job is to, to write. Um, and well, honestly, how many times are we sneaky and we do look, we do sneak a peek. I've been pretty good. Uh, primarily because I learned that if there was a, 
Right. Because there was one so situation where, then. I, I yeah, um, and some of it is just. I know there's some people who are going to love you, and I feel like mm-hmm. I don't need my for my own psychological well-being. I just don't need yeah. it. It's like of all the things that I need to worry about in life, I I just can't let myself do that because I think you will cripple yourself if you really I've just sit it, yeah. there and read those. Cause then you, you question everything that you write and you go, well, do what you, if- do you know what's worse though is when you go on Goodreads and you have zero reviews. Those are the worst. That's the worst. And you go, why? What happened? Yeah. Um, that That's what goes through my head. I'm like, is it that bad? No one's reviewing it. Like, yeah, I do. I do worry about that sometimes. But I've but learned, like, it's, you know, people don't always. No, they don't always review. Yeah. Don't. I mean, most of the re- books I actually review, it's because I'm actually doing a review, and that's a completely different. Yeah. Type of well, situation. I've, I've all, started doing. Right. I started doing reviews because I felt. Like, I understood it from an author perspective of we actually do need to reviews to, so that people actually know about it. And then I just got in the habit of always writing them uh, or recording them as because I do it on here. I'll have like a book review on here every so often. And that's usually because somebody sends me a copy of their book and they're like, hey, let me, let me know what you think. And then I'm like, but I always say I'm going to be brutally honest. And it might not be what you know what you what yeah. you want to hear, but I'll give you my honest opinion, and and that'll be it. And everybody says they're okay with it. And so far, I've not had anybody that's upset. But saying that, you know, I hate it when you get the reviews that say it did not finish, and they yeah. say nothing else, and you're like, well, why didn't you finish it? That bothers. Mm, that one bothers that- me isn't a review that's no it's a comment especially when it's and... not a finished sentence too that also books me yeah. i can't really say anything about even as a re- reader no. mm. I, and maybe it's because i i'm, I'm on the... And so, as a reader, I am way more interested in, in having a big experience, hearing from what yeah. they like and what they are finding interesting. And, you know, figuring these things out or just looking at things randomly and going, you know what, that sounds interesting. Yeah, because like I've I've met some uh, Insta reviewers lately because I've kind of been mm-hmm. digging into the books, bookstagram lot. And uh-huh. there's this one lassie, I love her to death. Her name's Kay. And she does like, when she loves your book, she will not give you a bad review, right? She will just she'll just get rid of your book and she'll not say anything but when she loves the book she makes these little videos and then she puts them on her instagram so like you're getting thousands of people looking at 
you know, your stuff compared to maybe one or two reading a review. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm starting to see the, uh, the benefit of, um, of these sort of TikToks and Instagram stuff now compared to what it, what it was. Are I you finding that? I uh, yeah, let me, I'll, I'll come back to that in just a second. The other thing that I, I do worry about is, especially as a reviewer, if you're always overly positive. Yeah. Does that make you not as credible as a reviewer? But at the same time, it's like, as an author, the first thing I want to do for mm-hmm. a, a bad review, um, even if it, the book is problematic. Um, yeah. And so I always try to, you know, this is the educator in me. I always try to bookend things like, here's the positive yeah. thing. Let's end on a positive note. Here are the problems. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm the same. Like I'll, I'll go like, cause I, I just did Mercy Falls by Maggie Schaefer, which is the last of her werewolf series. And I was so excited to read the end books. I'd enjoyed the first, I think three. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, gotta, gotta finish this. I gotta see how this, she's going to end the series. And then I was gutted at the ending. I was like, oh, that's why it gets so many bad reviews. <laughs> I was like, ah. Oh. And then I felt bad because I'm like, it got four stars because, you know, yeah. like that's why I addressed it in the video. I'm like, it got four stars because. And I'm still debating whether I should post on no, Goodreads. I liked it, but I didn't like how you ended it because I felt like you cheaped out, you know. But, not, yeah, I, honestly, not... like, Jason, it was like she got to the end and she just put the pen down. There was no <laughs> real ending to it. Like, I even checked it four or five times to make sure that was the last page. Yeah, I, I understand. So yeah. I was I was gutted. But I then saying that, I don't know how I'm going to end Marie's World. I don't. I don't know if I can actually end the series, so I guess I'll have to reserve judgment. That was one of the things, you know, let's talk about a, you know, slightly now controversial author, but at the same time, we we still can learn a lot from uh, J.K. Rowling. Oh, Uh, yeah. The fact that she knew from the beginning kind of where the story was going to end. She's already written the end. I'm jealous. I I am always jealous of that uh, because... You know, especially when it's a series. I don't always know where everything is going. Well, I mean, I know and... the ending to all my series. It's just... And I've written the ending to all of my series. But... Because how I do it is I write the end and then I go back to the beginning. Because mm-hmm. I do it like Shona Rhymes. Like, I, I always start at the end and then I, I kind of fill in it as I go. Which is great until you're working with a co-author and then you're like, oh, I got to explain this. Oh, no, I got to explain that. Like, crap. Because, like, that's when I realized it, it doesn't really work if you've got somebody else on board with you. Um, especially if they've got a different take on something. Like, mine did. Um, but yeah, I always I've, I always knew how it did. I've co-authored nonfiction books with people and I've co-edited things with people. I have never mm-hmm. tried to write fiction with another person. It and is so much fun. I can't Honestly. imagine just because, you know, like you say, making all those decisions with another person and but then you also I'm just have... so used to doing that. But then you also can like, you're only taking half the blade. <laughs> 
you never you never thought of it like this way but there's been times where i'm like oh that was joe's idea like <laughs> stooge <laughs> but it wasn't hey. it was actually my idea but um yeah like th- and the good thing is you you have somebody you're working with them in step and if you get stuck you've always got somebody that you can you know you can 100 percent trust who understands the characters understands where you're at and if you take turns with writing it can be a lot of fun like i can say joe i need a wrestling scene here and i need this outcome and i need I needed to have this outcome because, and I can explain it to him, and then he'll write, he'll give me like the bare bones, and then I'll fill it. In. But we mm-hmm. we trade off. Um, what what slows us down is when I have to ask him to read chapters. And I send him like four or five chapters in one day, and then I have to wait a week to get a reply. Yeah, that's the that's the downside. But saying that, he's very good because. If he knows it's a deadline and we've got a set deadline, then he will come back quicker. And he'll be like, okay, this is what I like, this is what I don't like. And he just, he gives me notes on the chapters. But I'm doing it for the very first time professionally on a script. And that's just been an even totally, like, 190 degree change in experience again. Mm -hmm. Because you're you have to set aside time to work on it, but then you can't go in and work on it without that person there. Or at least that's the situation I have with this, with this person. And it's educating me about giving and taking about listening to somebody else's opinion, but I'm learning so much. Like I'm sponging at the moment because there's almost like a respect level there between me and him. He's done it Mm -hmm. for longer than I have, but at the same time, he kind of knows that I'm not an idiot, and he has like a, a little—he has a little mm-hmm. level of respect for me too, and it works quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's different if you're if you're both going into fiction, and if you're both on the same level, then it could get a bit more tricky. But if you if you work with somebody and you like them, and you've got a good chemistry with them, you'll you'll create magic. Absolutely, create magic. But we have to get you on this Marie's World thing. Because <laughs> I think I said that to you last time we talked. I'm like, you gotta read it. I definitely would like to. I, I don't think you did last time. So let's... Yeah, I did. I sent it to you. I'll have to double check. <laughs> <You know how laughs> this is when he goes. Googles in his email. Marie's World. Did she send it to me? If I haven't, I'll send it to you. I'll send you an ebook copy. Yeah, it's one of those things that. However, know, I don't even want to go there. <laughs> however, I I did not know, right? I did not know I had a plot hole the size of a an Arctic truck oh, until no. um until one of my friends texts me saying, "You do realize you have like a huge gap in your plot, right?" I was like, "No, I do now. <laughs> the book's out. It's a bit late." What? Oh no. <laughs> Yeah, that... I fixed it. I fixed it. So, so was this one that you were self-publishing, or is this one that you was? Oh no, this this one I had it. Um, this was the very first one. It signed with a national uh, release publisher. Went nationwide in the UK and the US. Oh, yeah, and then I left 
that company and now I've re-signed and I'm relaunching the entire series for a second time. Nationwide, again, UK and US. That's where, I mean, the relationship between you and your editor is just so important. And knowing that, you know, you can trust your editor and that your editor is going to have your back and be able to catch those types of things. Because, you know, that's one of the things I've loved about my editor with Pride Publishing is she's caught, like, one things from one book to the next book. Like, I had one Mm -hmm. where I literally changed a character's name or I changed where the character was located. I've done that too, yeah. And you go, I don't know where that came from. I have no idea what in my brain at that moment just was Mm -hmm. like, I'm just going to switch things around. Yeah. I think think we all do that, though. Like, because do you not get it when you have a day where you plot something? Like, you get a whole new book idea and you spend the day writing out the plot. And then you go back to what you were working on. Like, do Mm -hmm. you not get that kind of, that sticky kind of gear shift kind of feeling when you do that? And that's where, you know, as a plotter, uh, having all of that stuff in one place so that I can go back and just having, you know, my notes become so crucial because I'm often, you know, working on multiple projects at the same time in different genres. Don't we all? If I wasn't keeping track of that stuff very, very, very carefully. I yeah. couldn't begin to, to imagine how messed up everything I wrote would become as I would probably start blending my worlds. I've done that. I've done that. Like I never realized I had blended waking up his wife is like a, is the first one of a series of six. Uh-huh. And I didn't realize that I had actually put it in the same world as Marie's world until yesterday when oh, I was no. doing the screenplay. And then I was like, shit, I shouldn't have done that. But what I did was I took, it's two different wrestling companies, so it, it kind of works. However, it would be problematic if I ever did a crossover, essentially. So I won't ever do a crossover, but there's a very small minority of people that would have picked up on the fact that I, I had made the second biggest wrestling company in the world, the one that Marie is actually involved with. (laughs) So yes, I'm I'm learning from my trip ups. Let's go with trip ups. Trip ups is a good word. That's a good way to put that, but it's... It happens, and that's one of those things I don't, you know, I never want one of those things to take yeah. the reading experience. But I also want readers to understand that, yeah, that stuff happens. It does. <laughs> it does happen. Human. We do our best, but yeah. occasionally things just slip through. To me, when that stuff happens, it's kind of like whenever you're watching, like, an old Western movie, and suddenly you yeah. see, like, the plane <laughs> in the sky it's or you see a random bottle of water that somebody's forgot to take it out of shot yeah hmm, i wonder yeah. Which, which tv show you're talking about there <laughs> yes yes we all know that one <laughs> yeah and you just go guess what that stuff happens yeah. enjoy those moments when and you elbows it. and laughs and everything else you get out of it yeah i'm sure the director's gonna be like burning face burning because we, oh yeah you well know, I remember once I was running a convention 
Yep. And, you know, I had a graphic designer. I had a team of people that helped me with stuff. We get to the convention first day, and one of my friends comes up to me and goes, oh, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, what? He's like, your cover. And I'm like, what do you mean? The cover of the program. They misspelled the name of the city we were in. Oh, wow. That's a major one. And no one caught it. You know, I'm what? like, how many people looked at this before it went to print and no yeah. one saw it? You know what's going to be funny, Jason? It, and I've never thought about doing this till now. Next time, if you ever do run another convention, you you should have me there and we'll do like the book and live podcast live. Because I've never That'd done them be... live. That would be kind of awesome. That's you and surprising. Me yeah. Yeah, we'll do one live and I'll, I'll, we'll take like, we'll take a couple authors in and we'll just do like a, a three hour special and have somebody that'll like remind us about the time or something. <laughs> but what I'll yeah. also do is I'll also get, um, my two wrestling friends to come with me and I could have one teach a class about psychology and the other one teach a class about, um, oh, they both could do psychology, I suppose. We can, we could actually have a real party. Real, real fun time. Yeah, I'm, I'm liking the fact that we're finally starting to reopen yeah. some of that stuff. Um, and do you know what? If if I bring my two friends, it'll be the first time they ever go come to a romance convention or an erotica convention, depending how you plan it. That, that could again, be fun. It, we live in fun times, and this is a fun yeah. business to be a part of, and... It's not all, you know, perfect. It's there's definitely it has its issues. Oh god, yeah. We have to take it for what it is and, and enjoy the mm -hmm. ride. And the thing is we're and, making memories. We're making yeah. memories and experiences. And you know, that's what we want our readers to come away with is some kind of experience and you know, if we make you feel something along the way, that's kind of what our goal is. Um, that's whether the whole it's job. excitement yeah. or love Anger. or passion. Yeah. yeah. It's, we want our readers to, you know, get a break from their life. And it doesn't always have to be like, this is a giant theme that I'm going to try to hit you over the head with. You know, oh God, sometimes yeah. reading is just pure escapism because that's what we need mm -hmm. um, in our lives. But yeah, and then, and sort of kind of backtailing on that is that um, the great thing is if you bring in the right, I also think it's good if you have a convention and then you have classes set aside that are for a little bit more for the advanced authors. Mm -hmm. Those are really good. Like, because I think if you sat down with my friend and you listened to how he puts his character psychologies together, you'll get totally lost in it. But you'll walk away and learn something. You, there's no way that you couldn't sit and listen to him for an hour and not learn anything, if you, might, if you know what I mean. So, yeah. But I, I'm i even starting to kind of get to that point where I'm like, oh, I really should go back to conventions. Oh, I really should start getting back out there. Because, like, if COVID's going to get me, it's going to get me now. You know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. no point in hiding from it because it's, you know, we're at, we're at that point now. So, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I'll do this. I'll do this for the show. I will say the first convention I'll go to is Jason's. How about that? I wouldn't do that because who knows when I'm going to have a chance because I have, you know, I am currently um, running the, uh, getting ready to run the Romance Writers of America. 
yeah, boot, boot me on that one then. Like, yeah, and get that, me involved that in that. And a whole lot of yeah. We don't run into any problems. Well, it sounds fun. I, I I think I got invited to that one once actually before, but I never made it. I can't remember what the reason was, but it was yeah. It was it was it was nice to be invited, I suppose. But yeah, I'll I'll uh, I'll shoot you that stuff later, um, and you can have a giggle and a laugh about it on the site. But yeah, well, you survived the Book and Life podcast. Let's hope that this time the sound works. We don't have to shoot to this again. <laughs> Um, take three take three yeah no it should be fine i ran the test this time and even though like you came in and out a little bit at the end i could still make out what you were saying so um maybe that's, need to that's what editing is yeah that's what the editing booth's for so yeah but no it's been great and and i always have a, i always have a good time when when you come on and we have a laugh and we have a joke and stuff so yeah i can't take life too seriously no, we can't. We can't. We can't. Oh, do you want to like quickly uh, give the dates for the um, the vampire one so that people can watch out for it? The vampire? Oh no, not the vampire. What am I saying? <laughs> I've got vampires on the brain now. <laughs> I, I, that's one I have not written yet. I've done werewolves. <laughs> I know. Like I, I don't know where vampires came from. Um, no. Do you want to plug the convention that you might be running so that people like remember it? Well, I'm not, again, not running, I'm just running the awards. Well, yeah, but, so people yeah. know to come and see you. Yeah. I have to go, yeah, we're going to be in Texas for that one. I know. I, in August. August, yeah. That, I, I knew it was like, I had, yeah, it had to be August someday. Yeah. It'll be, um, yeah, so that'll be 2024. Um, we're going to be um, in Texas. Yeah. Uh, again, we're looking for, you know, all different types of romance, you know, as long as it fits within, you know, the confines of the wonderful world of romance and we get our happily ever after or happy for now. You know, those are the most important things. So definitely be on the lookout for that because we want to have a really good, diverse set of people that are submitting this year. Yeah, and that, that's the thing. Like, a show like that is a lot of fun because, you know, you can go from, like, the extreme end to the lighthearted, fluffy end. So, you know, I always say they're the best. I'd love to do the Texas. Texas sounds like fun, actually. I've heard some wild stories about Texas conventions, so... I grew up in Texas, so I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everything's bigger in Texas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've heard that one a lot. Well, and they're not joking. <laughs> no, they're like... not. I've seen some of the hairstyles. I'm like, wow, your head must be heavy. Well, the the higher the hair, the closer to God. Yeah, I know. Like, I heard that. I'm like, oh, all right, cool. Anytime I fly home to visit my parents, I'm like, I know I'm in Texas when I see my first woman with Texas hair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm with you there. And that's what I call it. It is Texas hair. It is still, it is shellacked. It, it's probably still using Aquanet to make sure that it doesn't move. <laughs> it's weird. I remember using that once. I never oh, used it again. I never <laughs> used it again. I I can't even remember. Who, oh, yeah, I do remember. We were We were doing a show and... Dundee, some some place in Dundee, and my friends like let me do your hair for tonight because I had long hair at that point and I was having a hell of a job keeping it out of my face when we were performing because you can't tie it up, and she sprayed it with it, like she sprayed like the whole front of my head with it okay. so that my hair would stay sleek back. Oh my god, I couldn't get the stuff out for like a week. I'm like, for a week, I can get rid of it. And I'm like, oh, man. But I, yeah, so I, I ended up with some really weird hairstyles for like a week. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't like sweating at the best of times, but that was the only way I could get rid of it was I had to sweat it out. Yeah, you, what you need is paint thinner. <laughs> oh, God, I wasn't putting paint thinner in my hair. Somebody actually did tell me to do that. And I'm like, eh, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> But I yeah. joke, but yeah, it does seem like that's pretty much what you need to. Pretty much, yeah. Like I, I was, out. I was smart enough. I, I just went to, um, I dragged Derek out of bed that day, and I'm like, oh, we're gonna go do an extra workout because I was, I was just like hyped up on adrenaline, and uh, he was like, oh, okay, and all I did was like for four hours, I sweated endlessly to get it out of my hair, Ugh. and that was the only way I could shift it. And I hate to sweat. Like, I'm one of the lazier dancers. I'm like, oh, I'm starting to sweat. Need to take a break. You know? And then I'll I'll not, like, go so, like, full on for that period of time. I'll just, like, pretend I'm keeping up. And then as soon as, like, I'm starting to kind of cool down again, I'll go and I'll, like, I'll start picking it up again. Like, the, the pace and the, the tempo and everything. And uh, Dark used to always say to me, God, you really must hate sweating. Because I, I would even hate sweating in performances. Because, like, you start sweating, you they slip you. Because you're not as, like, easy to grab and stuff. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. And I said, yeah. no, it's just because I don't want to go head first through something. Or you to drop me because I'm too sweaty. That was also the reason I never used baby oil, either. I hated baby oil. Never never understood why girls did that. Like, cover themselves in baby No. Not my thing. I think I think I had more self-preservation than other people. <laughs> I am. I understand that. I am all about self-preservation. Yeah, and it, it, the worst thing was uh one of the performances I did when I was really little was they had me as the king rat, even though I was a girl, king rat, and I had to run around the theater screeching, and then I'd have to jump on the stage, slide under the set. Because I was the only one that could fit through the hole, because the guy who built the set hadn't built the holes for the pantomime very big oh no so that was the whole reason they picked me was because i was really small my voice was like super screechy at that time i had a screechy voice as a kid so i would go full lungs as i could screeching around the theater and then i would do the jump in but you should have seen the state of my knees though after like doing that for a week Ow. my knees were black I bruised my knees so much they went black. Yeah. Because it was like I was diving onto actually hard wooden boards, like stage boards, with no padding on it. 
Yeah, that's so, yeah. not good. No, it's not good. Not for a six-year-old. You were know? six. I was six, yeah. <laughs> I was six. I was a king rat at six. Well, that's kind of was... like what we talked about earlier. You know, little kids bounce back. Yeah, like, but no, like, I went to school, like, after that week, and um, I couldn't do PE because my knees were like footballs. They were swollen up and they were black. If that had been, like, me now, I would have broke both my kneecaps or something, you know? Like, there's no way I could have done it, but... Oh, the state of my legs. Like, I couldn't bear for any kid to touch my knee, because, like, ow. So, yeah, that was my first taste of uh, pain and performance, which we've all experienced. And that's where you got to go, especially as you get older. You go, you know what? I don't need to do that. There are ways around that. Yeah, Um, I did. I learned self-preservation and protection very quickly, like, on how to protect my body. Especially when it came to stage fighting. The amount of girls that couldn't slap to save themselves. Like, the, you know, because when you do stage fighting, you put your hand under your chin so that the audience can't see this, that you're not being slapped. Right. There are girls that would miss my hand and just slap me. It was ridiculous. Yeah, I- so I, I used to just, like, clench my jaw and hope for the best. <laughs> One of my favorite stage moments ever as i had a backhand slap of a guy oh wow and it it was just again it was one of the hardest things was you know i knew his hand was going to be under the chin i had to trust that it was going to be there yeah and he had to trust that i wouldn't hit him yeah (laughs) that i would hit the hand and every time we got that (gasps) when it actually happened because it let out a nice crack it always does, yeah. Well, what because because of the girls that had such bad aim for my my group was um, I I just learned to like tense my jaw, like close my mouth, and then puff my cheek out a little bit, so you would still get the sound of the slap, but it wouldn't like hurt essentially, um because yeah Not they the could cold. they couldn't hit my hand for crap. I would rather take it on the cheek than than them to miss and me to get uh, like a finger up my nose, which happened a couple of times or, you know, and then when, when we did the hair pulling as well, that one was also terribly done because they would ball their, they're supposed to ball their fist on the top of your head. Yeah. Not actually grab your hair. The amount of girls that couldn't like close their fist before they put it on top of your head was ridiculous. I ended up with so many bits of hair ripped out my head. I was like, oh, for sake like you know but saying that my first ever uh stage fighting class i actually broke my partner's nose oh i so didn't mean it i told him i'm gonna punch you duck and i'll hit my my leg so it looks like i hit you he didn't duck oh no and i got him straight in the nose and it went and i was like ah. So yeah, I I had to be so careful after that. So careful. Now I pull all of them because I'm terrified I actually make contact. But I haven't done, because that was what we did in Apache, was we had the fighting all the time. And you broke it up with little bits of dancing. And I had to learn to kind of pull it all the time, especially with Derek. Derek was a, oh, he was so easy to make bleed, it was ridiculous. But he almost got me back. If I actually planted him, he'd, he'd get me back and my nose would bleed or whatever, you know. So I learned very quickly the difference with 
following through and not following through. <laughs> so, yeah. But it's been fantastic to have you on. Um, we'll have you back in November when you've got your cozy coming out. And we'll have another chat. Maybe a bit more about your book next time. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll talk about writing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like, because we totally sort of went off on a side tangent and we never came back, so... But yeah, we have that ability. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, we do. We do. We did it the we, first. We do not have to worry about dead air. That is one. Exactly. Like I like guests that I don't have to fight to get to talk, because I get a few of them, and I'm like I've had, prompting. Yeah. yeah, prompting. You know, but no, I mean, you're luckily with you. I've not had that. So, yeah, but yeah, we'll have you back in November. Sounds great. Sounds good. All right. So I shall uh, see you guys all next week as we have another best-selling author coming on. And it was also our first ever guest. So you're going to want to see that.